change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwi. I'm Josh Smith. <sighs> yeah. I'm right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to the reason why you deep sigh in there, I got to rant about something, Mike. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday was arguably, maybe inarguably, and I know you're not a soccer guy, Canada-Mexico World Cup qualifier in the city you live in, in Edmonton, that's at Commonwealth, which is a stone's throw away from where you live. Biggest game in maybe Canadian soccer history, I would say probably and maybe definitely the biggest game played in Canada. Like this was a massive game against a top 10 ranked country in the world. Canada's playing great and everyone's kind of caught Canadian soccer fever. I know you haven't and that's okay. I'm not going to try to convince you to start watching soccer. I, I know that that's a losing battle. Mm-hmm. But you got to admit that this team has kind of captured the imagination of the Canadian sporting public. I think with this coupled with like the women's team winning the gold medal, like I think soccer has kind of taken on kind of resurgence. A lot of that has to do with the men's team with like Alfonso Davies and him being one of like the 25 best players in the world. Like it helps to have a superstar to get people interested. So I'm obviously, I've got, especially with the forge coming to Hamilton, I've gotten more and more into soccer. I've really started following it. So I'm 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 watching the game last night. I'm I'm loving it. Canada wins two one. It's fantastic. And then you know, there's always someone who's, for lack of a better way to say this, got to be an asshole. <laughs> and Mitchell Blair, out of Regina, sports reporter out of Regina, sends out a tweet that I just got to read to you, and I, I got to get your response. And just I don't really know what this is meant to say, but I'll just read it. Forty eight thousand people are watching Canada play soccer in Edmonton where it is minus 9 degrees. Less than 10,000 people are watching a CFL game in Toronto, where it is plus 3. Yes, it's a nothing game, but a message once again being sent. What message is being sent? Canada, I, the national team. I have team, no idea. The national team. We all, if this was hockey, would this comment be made? If they were playing, if Canada was playing the United States or playing Sweden or Finland or Russia in a big World Cup-style qualifying tournament. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, this, if they had a hockey equivalent to the World Cup, and this was a hockey game being played in Edmonton last night at Commonwealth, would, he, would someone like this make a comment like this? Like, well, I don't understand. Like, why, what, like, it's almost like it seems more like a shot at the CFL than sort of a shot at soccer. But at the same time, why are you comparing – like I said, maybe the biggest game soccer game played on Canadian soil ever to a midweek CFL game 
played between two teams with nothing to play for, one so bad that they've been eliminated from the playoffs, one pretty good but have clinched the, their seed in the playoffs, and played backups all across the field, including kicker. They sat there, kicker for this game, and a game that was rescheduled on a Tuesday. Like, What is the point of, of saying something like this? It just seems stupid to me. Yeah, it seems stupid to me, too. I saw that tweet as well, and I don't follow Mr. Blair because uh, he's a bit of a nincompoop, in my opinion. But uh, That's a kind way of putting it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, there was some. There was a lot of buzz around this game. I mean, it's a national, it's Canada. It's not, you know, FC Edmonton. It's not uh, Forge FC. It's, it's our nation, and people want to get behind our nation. And, you know, there was, yeah, there was a, a big crowd in uh, at Commonwealth Stadium last night. I believe the tickets were all twenty dollars. I could be wrong about that. I I read that somewhere, so don't quote me on that. But either way, it's a very impressive showing. Uh, I think they sold over a hundred thousand tickets for the two games. So, um, you know, people were excited, and yeah, I don't get what his point is. You know, a Tuesday night game in Toronto, it's plus three. You know, a nothing game where the backups are playing. There, there's there's no comparison there. This is, you know, Canada's trying to qualify to get into the World Cup. Um, the Argos are trying to stay healthy. The Elks are just playing to, for a paycheck. Um, so, you know, you can you can go after Toronto's attendance all you want, and I have before, but this is uh, this is off base. Yeah, it's just, it's it's such a terrible comparison, right? Like, yeah, you're talking about Canada playing in a game to help them qualify for the largest sporting tournament in the world. Like it's, and it's likely Canada's good. Like, again, I know you don't follow it, but I'm sure you're aware. They're now at the top of the group in qualifying for the world cup. Like this is whoa, 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 whoa. top of the table, Josh. Please. I know it's top of the table. I, you know, all right. I'm sorry, Mr. Soccer. I'll lay out my, <laughs> you tell everyone what's going on. Then. Um, but you know what I mean? Like that's a bit, they beat, this is the first time they beat Mexico in a World Cup qualifier in 45 years. It's never happened in our lifetime. This is the first time they beat Mexico in any capacity since the year 2000. Like, this is a big freaking deal. And soccer has seen a resurgence in this country with the national team being good, with us having our own domestic league now, with the way the women are playing. People are getting behind the sport. We have a superstar player in Alfonso Davies. We have great players like Jonathan David, who is the leading goal scorer in the French first division. Like Canada has world-class talent in soccer now. The team is good. People are getting behind it. And some doofus in Regina is like, well, look at what's going on with the CFL. It's like this is not the time to be making that comparison. It really isn't. Because it's, it's not even apples to oranges. It's like apples to – like. I don't know, nuts and bolts. You know what I mean? Like it's complete, two yeah. completely separate things. Yeah, and he got heat. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were pointing out that exact same thing on Twitter, but, you know, he'll never admit to being, you know, off base or wrong or whatever. So, you know, what I'd like to see is the, the, the men's basketball team in Canada actually get some NBA players to, well, I know that there's a couple that have played before, but they just don't seem to want to play for Canada. It's so weird to me. Like there's a lot of basketball talent in this country that plays in the NBA and they don't give a crap about Canada basketball. Yeah. It's kind of weird that that's because like most people hockey and, and especially now with, with soccer, 
people are and soccer is always kind of that way when it comes to playing for your national team like around the world everyone's like yeah we play for club but when we get to play for country like that means something and we've seen it in hockey too got like guys like alexander ovechkin i know he's not canadian but was like i'll skip out on the nhl to go play for russia in the olympics you know what i mean like guys want to wear their national jerseys and yeah it's kind of a little disappointing that we don't we don't see that come out with uh with the basketball team because they there's a ton jamal murray andrew wiggins uh the Hamilton boy, whose name I can never pronounce, his last name's Alexander. I won't try to pronounce mm-hmm. his his middle name. Um, there's a ton of of talented Canadian guys that could get Canada to an Olympics, and yet, yeah, they haven't really. Uh, the, the, the passion to play is just just not there. It, mm-hmm. it, it is a little disappointing. It's nice to see it in soccer, though, as as kind of a a recent adoptee of the beautiful game. It's uh, I mean, there, there was talk this morning of potentially the game between the U.S. and Canada, the World Cup qualifier that'll be in late January, potentially being in Hamilton. And you, like, at some point, there, like a World Cup qualifying game that actually matters between the two biggest rivals in Canada's, like the U.S. is Canada's biggest rival. Mexico's probably the U.S.'s what biggest What are they going to do if it's, like, minus 30 or something? Like, why are they doing playing these Play outdoor it. games in Canada in November? Play it's it. It's so stupid. Well, so here's the it's thing. It's like... If you if you look around, so every all these countries do this, they do something. Mexico Stadium is like eight thousand miles above sea level, like it's ridiculously high in the air. And then you got like I don't again, you don't follow it, so I, I don't expect you to know. But like they go down to some of these Central American countries, and people find out what hotels the opposing teams are staying in, and will like blare music at like four a.m. Right, to yeah. allow them not I've to sleep. So there's before. always it it, it it from what I've understood by following this a little bit more. They refer to it as shithousery, which is a great term. Um, and this this was – like the point of playing these two games in Edmonton was because it was frigid cold and it was going to piss off Costa Rica and Mexico. So and I like, guess it once they get – and they actually play good teams and they're going to get their asses kicked, right? I don't think once so. Once they get to the World Cup? I don't think ah, – They'll be out pretty quickly, I'm assuming. All right. You I know mean, what? Don't be raining on the parade yet. Don't be don't be 7-7, seven and seven, Mike. Uh, Come on. They'll, they'll make it there, but uh, we'll see what happens. I don't um, know. I, watching them – I mean, they, make it there. They, they went to Mexico for a qualifying game, and they got a draw down there. So that's – Anyways. That's very rare. Okay. You want to talk about soccer? We're not going to yes. make a soccer podcast. Well, yeah. do you really want to talk about the Ticats game? Well, not really. <laughs> what but... would you rather talk about? <laughs> you want to talk, well, yeah, talk about I, full I'd gear? I'd rather talk about uh, <laughs> You, you want to spend the rest of the show talking about the AEW pay-per-view from Saturday? Oh, uh, we could do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> I think it would piss off a lot of people. We've already pissed yeah. off half the audience by talking about soccer for 10 minutes. We're going to yes. piss off the other half if we talk about wrestling for the rest of the show. So mm-hmm. I guess we just got to get into it then, eh? Just... What do you even want to talk about? This just sucked. They were terrible. Bad. Bad <laughs> performance. Just, all right, uh, now on to next week. I talked about that. No. Um, <laughs> it was it was extremely disappointing. It, it really was. I mean, I was so excited for this game. Um, you know, I was ready for a, a good matchup, you know, a tie cat win. And they just laid an egg completely. Uh, you know, they didn't score any points until there was like three minutes left in the third quarter. That's just unacceptable in a game like this where, you know, you're not your playoff lives, but you know, a home game and these final home game is a huge deal. You don't have to go to Montreal. You, you know, they might end up playing it in Hamilton in the semifinal. Um, but you only have to win one game and you're in the, in the championship game and, and they, and they blew it the, straight up. They blew it. Yeah, it was, 
if it, it, it was either their worst performance or their second worst performance of the year. I don't know which one was worse. The the Edmonton Saskatchewan doubleheader to start the season, they were awful in as well. And it's not Winnipeg. good. What did I say? Did I say Edmonton? Yeah. Yeah. See I got Edmonton on the brain. I'm talking about soccer. You're right. Winnipeg. Edmonton on your brain. Yeah. Winnipeg Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, those two games were just terrible. This mm-hmm. game was they get rivaled that game as 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 far as like just it they seemed unprepared. They seem to have no spark whatsoever. It was as if they were going through the motions. And this was a game that mattered. It was the potentially the last game that really mattered on their schedule until the playoffs. So they would have won this. They get the Riders in the last week of the season, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But that game's going to be a little, a lot like the one from Tuesday night between Edmonton and Toronto, quite honestly. Um, and they just stunk. And when we're comparing a Ticats performance, because they haven't looked this bad since the start of the season. Like, even in the losses they had, it was one-score games. It was literally one-point games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was just... I, I don't think the Argos looked particularly great, but they they looked like the 95 Baltimore Stallions in comparison to what we saw from that. This was... From from early on, like you, you you saw in the first the first drive, they made some plays and then they started missing the deep throws, and then that continued throughout the night, and then it just got away from them, and it was it was just terrible. Like it, I I don't really know what else to say. Like it was just an an awful, terrible, boring, putrid, awful, terrible performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what was uh what was up with? I mean, I think the deep ball was there. You yeah. Know? He just I think missing that them. They had the opportunity to hit those, and uh, Mazzoli just um, overthrowed a lot of a lot of players. Uh, there was underthrows. There was one like perfect bomb that you know it was just broken up by a DB. But yes. uh, you know, I don't know who to blame on that. Is it is it the play calling or is Mazzoli just looking at his first read and then going with that, not going through his progressions? I don't know who to blame on that one. I don't know either. But like he had. There was one that wasn't his fault. He hits Jackson Bennett in the hands and Bennett dropped it. That would have changed. I think that was on the first drive. Mm-hmm. But he overthrew one to Banks. He overthrew a couple more. He overthrew – there was one to Ackland that if it's on target, Ackland walks into the end zone. Like, he was just off. And I, and I got some some criticism from someone when I wrote my game piece for three down that I, was, I wasn't critical enough of the offensive line and that if Dane Evans had been in there, I would have made all the excuses in the world why the offensive line let him down. I thought the offensive line wasn't that bad in this game. I, yeah, me neither. I, I thought like they weren't. I don't think they were great, but I don't think they've been great all year. But I've seen right. much worse performances from this year. Like he had the time to throw the deep ball, like that, tell, with no threat of a running game either. Like with Don Jackson not playing, we spent all that time last week talking about Don Jackson didn't suit up because he got hurt in practice. You could see the difference he makes for the offense, and we can get into that if you'd like. But. There's well, you just, know these things, right? I mean, there's there's no coverage of the Tie Cats anymore. It seems like no. Don Jackson gets injured. Nobody knows. No, he just like we found out the day we found out the day before tough. the game when the, when the depth chart came out. Yeah, it's like he's not it's, on here. Uh, what happened? And then it's right, like and we have then, the uh, subscription to the spec, and I didn't see anything mentioned. Like so, that's As, imme- you know what? But, immediately after we signed up for that, the coverage of the Tie Cats kind of went away. Yeah, they got our money, and then it's like, oh, we got their money. We're we're done. It was like every single day there was training camp stuff, and then and I was like, you said you got it, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'll get it too, and then maybe it'll help us because we can't get to practice. Like I can't get to practices, and there's not as much. Mm -hmm. There's not there wasn't as much coverage outside of the spec, so it's like, oh, this is great. It'll help us 
and then it's been almost non-existent and i just i don't understand yeah neither do i there's obviously no one going to these practices i mean there's no reports no no nothing so it's uh it's unfortunate you know back in the day we were spoiled with uh our buddy drew edwards covering the team we pretty much knew everything but now it's uh not so much not so much yeah um I guess we got to talk about Mazzoli. He was bad in this one. This was his worst outing since since the, the second week of the season. 55% completion percentage, two picks, um, which, and it, look, people are like, oh, he threw two interceptions. He's back to the old Mazzoli. He was not going to go the rest of the season without throwing an interception. Like, let's not be silly. And one, one pick, so full disclosure, when... This game got out of hand. I Again, we're going to go into soccer for a little bit. I switched over to watching the Canada-Costa Rica game because I knew the game was over, so I was like, I'm not going to bother. So I know he threw a, threw a second pick six with like 10 seconds left or whatever in the game. Um, I don't know how bad that one was, but you're down. What were they down at the time? 30, 24 of 12 or something? So like you're yeah. with, with barely any over. time left. It was a nothing. You know what I mean? It's a, yes, it counts, but it's like who gives who gives a crap? The first pick was a, like it was a bad throw, I thought, but it was a really nice – grab by the defender but it was a it was a it was a piss poor it was right to him yeah no one in the area yeah like that that's just it like he i don't know who he was throwing to on that pick um but it is this was bad he looked really bad in this one and i know we're you know team is and and we'll give him props when he 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 looked great the last five weeks this was week one week two mazzoli just looked absolutely terrible yeah just brutal um you know, he played great against uh, Edmonton and Ottawa, and then he had BC. Didn't look as good in that one, but still good. Um, and then we get to the most important game of the year, and he lays a complete egg. And obviously, it's I know that it's not all on him. I get that. But the numbers, you know, pointed out that he did not play well. And I just, I don't know if I have confidence in him going into the playoffs, you know. Yes, he can beat the the bottom feeders of the league, and I know that this has been said over and over again by Mazzoli haters. But you know, I'm trying to think of like any big games he's really performed well in, and I'm I came up with that Ottawa one where we almost went to the Grey Cup. Um, uh, you know, what other playoff games has he played in? I'm drawing a blank here. I, well, know. playoff games. There was yeah. that when the, uh, the 2018 East semi against BC. That they won like fifty to eight. Okay. Um, the twenty fifteen East final where they beat the Argos when he got he got pulled halfway through the game, and then they brought mm. him back in, and then he looked and then he looked fantastic, and then he doubled down on that by looking fantastic. He hasn't had a chance to play many playoff games though. Like True. he's only played I think in three or four. Like he, he, he I'm just thinking like, well, you have a one A and a one B, right? Yeah, that's what we, that's what he said coming into the season. So let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at Evans. Um, and it's going to be tough to even evaluate him because he's going to be playing Saskatchewan this week, and they're going to be resting everybody. So listen, I you know whatever they decide, I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. But after that performance, I was just so disgusted that like I just want to I want change. This is supposed to be a Grey Cup contender, and we look like crap. We look terrible. Um, the defense is good, but every defense in the CFL is good. We need a good offense. And, uh, you know, we're playing the Argos. They're a pretty good team. I know that they're first in the East, but they don't overly impress me. They're not the best defense in the league. We should have done better, and Mazzoli should have done better. I was – so they were talking about benching him at halftime, and at the time I was like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, 
it was, I think, 14 nothing. Like, it's not like the Argos were, were running away with it. It's like, nah, the, he can still salvage this. If, if he had hit a cut, like, I'm, I'm rationalizing to myself. The more I think about it, like, you mentioned the 1A, 1B thing. Maybe they should have given Evans the, mm-hmm. the chance to, because if he would have played the second half and we would have seen the same, like, the, the, the game plays out the same way. Then it's like, okay, they were just outcoached, outplayed, out whatever. It had nothing to do with either quarterback. But now I think that you because if you start Evans against the Riders, you're essentially saying we're going with Evans in the playoff game. I think yeah. that's what it says to me. Uh-huh. And again, I'm 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 in the same boat as you. Whatever decision they make, I'm on board with. I think both these guys can get it done. I don't like the and I'm not I'm not putting this on you. Don't I'm not I'm not trying to insult you or or criticize you because a lot of the stuff I've seen is can't win the big one. And I made a point of this in my like. What does the big one constitute? Like, is the big one a, a major regular season game that clinches a playoff spot? Because he did that when he came in for an injured Zach Caleros in 2016 in a game in Ottawa that I attended. He was a starting quarterback. They won that game to clinch a playoff spot. Is it a playoff game because he's won a couple of playoff games? It, or is it just he has to win a great cup? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's such a nebulous talking point where we're like, oh, he can't win the big one. And I made this point in the article. We've said that about a number of guys. Anthony Calvillo couldn't win the big one. Peyton Manning couldn't win the big one. You know what I mean? Like, we've heard it time and again. These, like, big time. Henry Burris couldn't win the big one. They can't until they do. And the only way you do that is by actually playing. Now, does that mean I, I'm in this in a complete opposite boat of you saying, like, I have 100% confidence that Jeremiah Mazzoli can get this done? No. After seeing what he did on Friday night, I'm a little concerned. But I think that I don't know if a change at quarterback would necessarily mean anything. If they do it, I'm for it. If they don't, I'm for, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. I just think this team, there's something off with this team. And I think we came into the season thinking they were something. And that what they've shown us on the field is something, isn't what they're not. They're, they're not as good as we thought they were going to be. I don't know if a change at quarterback is really going to make a difference. But if they decide to go with it, so be it. If they don't. I guess we know what the answer is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It's almost like I thought that they were going to put, you know, keep Mazzoli in at uh, quarterback in the second half. And then maybe if he faltered, bring in Evans, you mm-hmm. know, give him a couple of drives. Um, that never happened. So do what they did with Mazzoli when he was struggling in that 2015 East semi. Like he started, mm-hmm. he was struggling and they, they took him out and they put, oh, who was the back? Ja'Cory Harris was the backup. And they put him in, and he didn't do much. They put Mazzoli back in, and then Mazzoli started to go. I, do you not do that because Mazzoli's more of a veteran now than he was six years ago? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what, uh, like, what the answer is. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, if it was my decision, I think I'd, I'd go with Evans at this point. But like we said, um, whatever they choose, uh, we'll roll with it. But, uh, you know... I think they're going to have a shorter leash. Like, Mazzoli might have a short leash mm-hmm. um, if, you know, they start the playoffs and uh, he's not performing well. So that's a luxury we have. We can bring in, you know, whoever starts, we can bring in the other guy at some point uh, before it gets too out of hand and uh, see what he we, what he can do with it. So, um, but yeah, just a uh, very disappointing night. Very disappointing. Yeah, I think I'm... Uh, that, you're kind of swaying me a little bit. And I... I before the show, we talked about this, and I thought we were going to get into a debate. But that whole one A one B thing, you threw, you dropped that hammer down, and I'm kind of like, 
Yeah, what's the point in saying we have two starting quarterbacks if you never let the backup actually get in and show what he can do? Mm-hmm. Like it's, oh, I hate, I hate when you make a good I hate point. having this like, I hate to having this controversy so late in the season because mm-hmm. it puts them in a bad position. Yeah, it really does. You're damned if you do, um, damned if you don't. Because if they make the change and it doesn't work, you've you've spoiled your relationship with Mazzoli. If you don't make the change and it doesn't work, well, then you're all you're going to have people is going. Well, if they would have made the change, so like, if mm-hmm. they if they if it doesn't, no matter what happens, if it doesn't work you're going to get criticized for it. So basically they have to win the Grey Cup for this not to be something that people are going to be talking about until they make a decision on which guy they're keeping. Yeah, and uh, we talked about the rushing game a little bit. Oh, we talked about it last last week, how great it's been with Don Jackson. And as soon as I saw he was injured, I tweeted, I guess we're going to have no running game. And we didn't. because And we didn't. So, uh, yeah. Um, You know, Sean Thomas Rillington had eight carries for 37 yards. Um, you know, Mazzoli tied him for the for the team lead in this game with 37 yards as well. But yeah, they just completely. And it's not like we were blown out of the game like super early. I mean, we did, nobody scored any points in the first quarter. Toronto scored late a couple times to make it 14 nothing in second. Uh, the the run game should have been implemented into this. I know Sean Thomas Erlington is not Don Jackson, but he can do some damage. And we could have handed off the ball with some of those jet sweeps or you know. I just don't understand why that wasn't incorporated into the offense once again. I wish I could tell you because when I was the same as you. When I saw Jackson wasn't in there, I was like, they're not going to run the ball. And then they mm-hmm. didn't run the ball. And it's like, I know people say, oh, it's a CFL, it's a passing league. If you don't, it's clear to me, if you don't have some semblance of a run game, it doesn't matter how good your passing attack is, teams know what you're going to do. And it, yeah. it, this offense looked completely different from the one we've seen with Jackson in there the last two weeks. Like, it was night and day. And I just, if he's not back there, I'm concerned with how well this offense can function. Because when he's there, it seems as if everything just becomes easier. Like, and I know it was against Edmonton, it was against BC, and it was against Ottawa, and I understand all that. But with him in there, I guess it was just Edmonton and BC played against. The offense just feels more dynamic. It there's a less there's more of a mystery to what they're going to do because they can actually. It's second and six. That's a passing down. Well, Don Jackson's picking up seven yards a carry. Maybe it's not. Without him in there, it, it's just completely different and in a really bad way for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, what's the deal with Sean Thomas Rillington this year? He has really fallen off. He's regressing. I know that he hasn't yeah. gotten many chances, but uh, he just doesn't look like the same guy. No, it's um, maybe he caught lightning in a bottle to start 2019. Maybe the injury and then the year off. We've seen a lot of guys struggle this year, and I hate saying it's the year off because I think that's an excuse. By this point in the season, we should it, that shouldn't be an excuse anymore. Maybe taking that time off hurt some of these guys, like. Again, this is kind of going a little off board. Darrell Walker went from one of the best receivers in the league to completely useless. So mm-hmm. I, he just doesn't give a crap, right? Like that's what it seems like, right? Yeah, like maybe early on in the season, um, he was giving full effort. But the games that I've seen, he uh, he's had tons of drop balls. He just the body language is bad. He uh, he's checked out. Yeah, it's it's, and I don't I don't I'm not going to say that about Sean Thomas. I don't think he's checked out. I just think no. Maybe he was – it was right place, right time, and maybe – because, like, look at the run game with, with him and Jack. It's completely different. 
It's completely different. Like, you fear the rushing attack with Jackson in there. They don't even bother to try to make one with Sean Thomas Arlington in there. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been, he's been one of the players that you kind of had high hopes for going into the season. It's kind of been disappointing. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about the kicker now, don't we? Do we? He's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's not here anymore, so, yeah. I mean, um, what, obviously going out and get, like, the, we have, we like, have this new kicker. Who knows if he's any good? He got it, cut in camp. Yeah, exactly. Like, Ugh. it's uh, it's not great. It's it's not. I we came into the season, and I hate to retread on stuff. We came into the season with a with a few questions. The only one that never really got answered was kicker. They've they've tried a bunch of different people at left tackle, but that seems to be doing. Oh, I think it's uh, Murray is his name that's in there now. That seems to be somewhat okay. It's- yeah, it's um, good enough. Sam Linebacker is settled. If Cam Kelly's here next yep. year, we know that we don't have anything to worry about there. And kicker's been this revolving. No matter who they had there, it's it's just not worked. Like, I, I looked it up. Taylor Bertolet was statistically the worst kicker in the CFL of any kicker with more than 20 field goal attempts. And, yeah, he everyone's going to, oh, but he had that 55-yarder into the wind. It's like, well, you can't live off that forever. Like... He missed two in this game. One, he probably shouldn't have taken. You're down 24 to three and you're kicking a field goal. To me, that's just like, are you like, go for it. Just go for it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. but Orlando, be more aggressive. Please. Yeah. I beg of you. It's yeah. Been one punts and, you know, I get it. Like the offensive line isn't great, but you know, have a little faith that, you know, get a little creative with the, I know he's, he's not running the offense. So, I don't want to get um, out of line here, but uh, he just, he's not aggressive enough for me, uh, especially this season. It just seems like he's way too conservative with, with his calls. I can't agree more with you there. So we got a new kicker. He was the old kicker with bad in this one. I guess we'll see this week. What, what's up with that? At least. Uh, uh, scary. Isn't that scary? Like uh, I could scary with the uh, Bertolette, but now we got an unknown. So I, I'm terrified, man. Yeah, the I think the biggest mistake this team made was not finding a kicker before now. Like mm-hmm. at what like we've been saying for weeks that we didn't think this guy was good enough. And I again I, I don't know what their cap situation is like. I'm not saying they should have traded for Sergio Castillo. Who knows if he even would have wanted to come back to Hamilton. I'm not saying they should have thrown a Brinks truck at Justin Medlock or tried to get Liram Hyralahu, who obviously he didn't he played for the Dallas Cowboys last week. He made the right decision and not coming back to the CFL. He's probably at some point going to actually get an NFL opportunity more than just one game with the Cowboys because their kicker was on the COVID list. But you needed to find some sort of veteran, at least of a couple. Like This this has been a problem all season. And yeah, you said it's scary. We're going into must-win territory. I mean, essentially every game, not even essentially, every single game the Ticats play from now until the end of the season is a must-win. Now, the one on Saturday might not be a must-win if things happen on Friday that are unlikely to happen, but we, we'll get into that when we talk about the game. But there is, they are basically in must-win territory from here on out. And now we got the guy that we couldn't trust in there, but now we got a bunch of unknowns. And I don't know about you, but if there's a 45-yard field goal, they're down 21-20, to 20, and they got to kick a field goal to win, or let's say 22-20, to 20 because, you, oh, you can punt for the Rouge, you go for the tie, but you, we don't want to get into the Rouge debate again this week. I don't have any faith that the guy's going to – I don't even know this guy. I, I know the, the other I'm kicker the they have wasn't very good before, 
And like you said, this guy got cut in camp. Ah, terrifying. Quite frankly, it's terrifying what what we might have to see. Yeah, I'm not watching it if he's coming out to win, like a game-winning field goal, you know, 45 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably leaving the room. I I can't watch that. (laughs) That's, man, so this is not how we expected the season to turn out. Um, I mean, we're okay. We're sitting okay. But, uh, you know, we thought it would be dominance and... uh, it's just not the way it's shaped out. Now, now we get we get high and low based on wins and losses on the show. But, we really do. Really, we really do. But I got to be honest with you, and maybe this is just the low coming off this game. I don't think this team can win the Grey Cup. Yeah, um, I think I'm with you too. Um, you know, even if we get through Montreal and Toronto, I mean, who's going to be if it's Winnipeg? I think I'm convinced it'll either be Winnipeg or Calgary. Um, in the Grey Cup, and the way that Calgary's coming on right now, uh, they look like a really good team. Their offense is back. The who they signed, the receiver that came back. Oh, oh Bagleton. Richie Bagleton. He made an impact like in his first game, which you usually don't see. So that offense is quick, and Winnipeg is just scary on defense and pretty good on offense. So even if we made it to the Grey Cup, uh, it's going to be a tough go, a real tough go. Yeah, I'm uh, not overly optimistic anymore. And I was Mr. Optimism, 14-0. Everything's going to go great. Yeah, kind of coming off that. But you know what? Maybe they blow out the riders and the Owls look less than formidable. Yeah, and... maybe, right? Maybe Don Jackson comes back and adds Changes a, everything. a layer to this offense and uh, we're sitting pretty uh, in the playoffs. You never know what could happen. So we, we could be look like a totally different team, uh, you know, playing Montreal in the semifinal and then Toronto in the Eastern final. For sure. All right, let's uh, let's put a bow on this. And usually after a performance like this, we don't tend to give out a player of the game. But there was one guy in this game that I think you and I both recognized that had a hell of a game. So why don't you tell everyone who we named our player of the week this week? Yeah, Podsky player of the week is Tim White. He had uh, five receptions for 110 yards, uh, 22-yard average, and a long of 50. Uh, Tim White, Podsky player of the week, he's been, uh, he's been really good this year. He's a rookie in the CFL. Uh, he just keeps getting better and better and better. That was one of the reasons why they uh, cut Devere Posey, and I can see why now. Yeah, he uh, he seemed to be the only guy. I, I would like to give a slight shout-out to Brandon Banks, who had another decent effort, five catches for 82 yards. But White was the hands-down. He was he was running hard after the catch. He had a couple of nice ones where he took some hits and just kept going. Um, but it is also nice, again, to see Brandon Banks put together a pretty solid performance. So, I think that bodes well heading into the playoffs. And you get a guy like Tim White, like you said, the reason Devere Posey's not here is because t- how Tim White played. And, yeah, it looks like they made the right decision. He's, he's looked really good. And would have been a shoe-in, I think, as uh, Rookie of the Year for the Ticats if he was eligible. But he had played a couple of games in the NFL with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, so unfortunately he wasn't eligible. And that gives us a chance now to jump into talking about what came out earlier today, which was the announcement of all the team's player award nominees. And... Uh, can I get your opinion, before we get into the specifics on this, can I get your opinion on something? Have you felt like there's a single player this year that's deserving of MOP? Like, I don't mean, like, that Zach Kolaris, was, he's the Bombers nominee. He's going to win the award. Um, he, but he wasn't even a unanimous pick from his own team. So, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But have you felt like there's, and maybe it's a shortened season, maybe it's the quarterback injuries, has anyone really stood out to you throughout the season as someone worthy of being most outstanding player? No, not really. There's no one that's really stood out. Um, you know, the Bombers have stood out as a team. Uh, Claris has had a good year. 
but you know he's not you know MOP when I think of MOP I think of um, you know Doug Flutie throwing for six thousand yards mm-hmm. or you know Pringle rushing for two thousand yards or you know st- like stats that really stand out players that really stand out and to me this year um, no one's really you know there's no one that's above everyone else in my opinion. Yeah, it feels like a lot of B plus guys, and this is not a knock on any of the players because obviously the players are doing what they can. But it's felt like a lot more B plus. There hasn't been any A to A plus for a full season. That, that that's what I'm saying. Like Calaris has looked good in spurts, but I mean he's got. Let me look it up. I have the numbers here. He's got 3,100 yards in 12 starts. Like that's. Let me. Uh, I'm sure there's someone out there doing the math in their head as I try to do it myself, but uh, I'm not. That's smart to do that. Um, two. Under 260 yards a game. That's is that MOP numbers to you? No, uh, not really. No, I, mean, I guess this year, right? Because the offense is down, um, everything else. But yeah, like normal years, that would not stand out to me at all. No, and like even if you like again, I'm not saying the total yardage, but it's the yards per game. 20 touchdown passes in 12 games. Like again, the total's low, but that's less than two TD passes a game, which over a full season. You know what? I, it just—I don't know. It feels it, this, this year's awards feel a little. I mean, we'll look at the nominees for MOP. I think there were three quarterbacks. Usually, it's seven, eight, sometimes nine quarterbacks. They're like one. One of the the Argos is McLeod Bethel Thompson. The dude didn't start the year as a starting quarterback. Like yeah. it didn't. The, to me, like you got in in the East. He's the only quarterback nominated in the West. It's Claros and Fajardo as the as, like James Wilder Jr. who had a good year is the MOP was the unanimous MOP for the Elks. It's it's been a I, th- I think these awards show how rough of a year it's been for the CFL. Lucky Whitehead who's missed like I know he's back now, but he missed like four games due to like a broken finger or broken wrist or whatever is the MOP for the Lions. Like it's been a rough year for the CFL. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know, there's no denying it. I've watched almost every game, and it's been it's been tough at times. There's been some good games in there, but uh, for the most part, not not so great. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the Tie Cats. Uh, MOP and Defensive Player of the Year both went to Simone Lawrence. Canadian went to Tunde Adelike. Offensive lineman was Brandon Revenberg. Special teams was Nick Cross, and rookie was Desmond Lawrence. Um, I think Simone as MOP makes sense. There isn't a standout offensive player. Um, and I think and my only quibble with this, I, I mean, I'm a little, I, I figured the Ticats nominee for special teams player would be a coverage guy because Frankie Williams has been hurt most of the season. Obviously he can't go with anyone in the kicking game. Um, so I guess this made sense. I don't, I gotta be honest with you. I don't know enough about Nick Cross's numbers to whether say this makes sense or not. And with Lawrence getting MOP, you kind of had to give him Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked that to have been Cariel Brooks. I think Cariel Brooks is so ridiculously underrated. He leads the league in interceptions. I would have, but you can't. I don't. How do you make the case that he's the best defensive player if the best player on the team is voted? Right. You know, which is odd because Simone was unanimous for MOP, but not unanimous for Defensive Player. So someone who voted didn't think that he should be both, which to me is a little weird, but that's maybe the only quibble, I guess, like there again, much like the rest of the league, there hasn't really been 
that many outstanding performances by the Ticats this year. And I guess that makes sense. That's why they're hovering around 500. Yeah, this Simone, they put themselves in a tough situation there because obviously most outstanding player, he has to be most outstanding defensive player as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of sad that there's no one on offense that, you know, has performed well enough to get a look at most outstanding player. Um, usually it's the quarterback or the a receiver or a running back. But uh, this year, I mean, the injuries didn't help, obviously. Um, quarterback's been injured. Running back's been injured. Receivers have been in- injured. So that's a, it's just been a, a tough year for the Ticats do you in think, that regard. Yeah, do you think any of these guys get the divisional nominee? I think Simone gets the, uh, not the most outstanding, but uh, the most outstanding defensive player. Yeah. But other than that, I don't see anybody else, really. Yeah. Who got most outstanding offensive lineman? Was it Revenberg? Yeah, Revenberg. He might yeah. get it. Maybe. Because I'm, I'm looking at the rest. It's uh, Landon Rice for Montreal, Mark Corte for uh, Ottawa, Peter Nicastro for the Argos. I could see Revenberg getting He's the He's probably the most well-known of all those guys anyway. And sometimes with offensive line, that's really all it takes. Um, but I'm with you. I think Simone is defensive player. I'm not saying it's a lock. Uh, there's some really good players. I, I feel like Ottawa, aside from Devontae Dedman as special teams, and I think he'll win special teams player of the year, you can't really give any of those guys an award. I look at Montreal. I think Stanback gets Eastern MOP, but the rest is kind of up in the air. You know, I'm not really sure if any of those guys warrant it. And then you got Dexter McCoyle as defensive player for Toronto. I don't know if he's been as impactful as Simone has been. So, yeah, I think Simone's a pretty pretty safe bet. Um, do you think he could win league, the league award? Like, it's probably going to go to Adam Big Hill, right? Because, like, Winnipeg's going to basically sweep the West Award. Yeah, I, think. I don't see him. I see him being runner-up runner up again, unfortunately. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think but, Big, yeah. Big Hill went. Like, you look at you look at I – mean, I guess we can talk about the rest of the, the league. Like, Caleros, MOP from the West and probably for the league, right? Yeah, yeah. Big Hill, same. Mm-hmm. I think I think Dembski's probably the Western Canadian and probably the Canadian of the year. Even though I'd be, uh, I'm a little. So I know this might get me in trouble with some Ticat fans. I kind of got a a Canadian receiver boner for Curly Gittins Jr. I really like that guy. I think yep, he's he's, good. he's he's a really good player. I and he's got a great name. Like I remember when when they mm. were playing. I think they were playing Labor Day. My brother texted me because he because he goes that receiver for the Argos. It sounds like he's a uh, He's an old timey like twirly mustachioed boxer from like the like Curly Gittins, even though yeah, it's not spelled yeah. Curly. But you hear that name, yeah. and you're like, it looks like a strong man from the '30s. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, that probably is kind of what like makes me chuckle. But I think he's been again his numbers aren't out of this world, but no one's numbers are out of this world. But I think he's had a really breakout campaign. I wouldn't be upset if he uh, if he won uh, top Canadian. But I Nick Dembski makes sense, right? Doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. But it's it's kind of unfortunate that. You know, we we mentioned Curly Giddens, or you know, he's a really good player and everything. But uh, there's not a lot of Canadian receivers that really stand out anymore. No, um, you know, besides him and uh, Dembski, but like they're not lighting the world on fire either. No, there's no um, Andy Fantuz anymore. No, and like you know, back in the day, Saskatchewan had that receiving core, the Canadian Air Force. They had like four Canadian receivers. Um, they're just not. They're not. Uh, Making them like they used to, I, I don't know, but there just seems to be a lack of talent at that position uh, with Canadians. So this is this is kind of kind of turned into the angry show, I think, because I'm about to rant again. You ready for it? All right. 
How the hell is Cody Fajardo the Rogers MLP? Have you seen his numbers? Have you seen him play? How is that? Like, I, I know that there was a, a dearth of options in Saskatchewan, but are you kidding me? He he was worse this year than he like than he was the like fourteen touchdown passes, Mike, in thirteen games. That's MOP. Uh, fourteen touchdowns to eleven picks. That's terrible. Yeah. He started off hot, as did the Riders, but they've been on a downward uh, decline for, it seems like, six or seven weeks now. The offense has not been good. Um, yeah, I'm looking at his numbers now. 69.6 percentage. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, 14 QDs, 11 interceptions. Um, he just hasn't been good, especially late in the season, and that's when it when it counts the most, right? So um, I'm not sure who else you would put it. I don't follow the riders as closely as the Ticats, obviously. So I'm not sure who else would be MOP worthy on that team. But yeah, Fajardo, you know, I think you said at the at the beginning of the year that you thought he'd drop off and uh, you were right I, about I that. I looked like a fool at the beginning of the year because you're right. He looked fantastic the first like three mm. or four weeks. And then it just kind of plateaued. And I think, and this is not a knock. Now, I know, I, don't, I, I, I can't say I know that he doesn't like me, but he blocked me on Twitter two years ago when I said that he shouldn't win MOP over Brandon Banks. I compared his season in 2019 to that of Matt Nichols and Trevor Harris in years where they were not even given consideration for most outstanding player. Um, and I'm aware that he's he's been how, like mad about online like he, he ranted about like Twitter being so negative to him. I know that there's other members of three down that he's blocked on Twitter for being critical and not even like overly critical, like not being personal or taking shots at him, but just being like, he hasn't been that good. And it just feels like the guy's got like, he's softer than wet tissue paper. It almost feels like, and like everyone, you know, especially in Saskatchewan, like rave about the guy and how nice he is and all that stuff. But he seems like he's kind of a baby. Like, you mm-hmm. can't, like, look, I understand, look, I get a lot of hate online. I can only imagine what a professional athlete with hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers gets when he plays poorly. So I'm not in any way putting myself in his shoes. But when you can't take even the mildest of criticisms, and, I, and you know, we hear all the time from athletes, oh, we don't read the press. We know that that's BS, apparently, because I never tag Cody Fajardo anything. I know the other guys on 3Down don't really tag him in anything, and yet... He's out here searching for his name and getting mad enough to block. Like, look, he blocked me. I don't care. Like, it's not a big deal. I just think it's everything is relevant to the point I'm trying to make here. Is he that fragile that he like? And this is what makes me wonder: Was he voted MOP? Because if he wasn't, he would have gone off on the media in Saskatchewan. You know what I mean? Like, he like maybe right. said something in private or been like, like, why don't you like? You know what I mean? Like, this is what comes off kind of petulant and childish almost. Like I don't know what the other options are in Saskatchewan, like you said, but right. it's not him. He's not. He has not played an MOP level this year at any. Like not at all. What's with the Jesus sprinkles? What is that? You know uh, what I'm we, talking about? He said something about it two years ago about sprinkles of Jesus on. Like he's a religious guy. Oh, you know, okay. whatever. Okay. I, I I try not. To, I try not to get into. As, as someone who's non-religious, I try not uh-huh. to take too many shots at someone's religious no. faith that's up to him no i just i just didn't understand where it came from oh but, and what uh, about okay. the bogus pass interference call in that game the saskatchewan game yeah the one that Who erased the, the interception play? montreal they played montreal uh no they played edmonton oh yeah 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's right. how memorable it was. But no, yeah. it, I only bring it up because after the call got reversed to a pass interference call, which was bogus, he did the Jesus sprinkle things. And I wanted to tweet oh. something about it just because it was right. like, it's like, you know what I hate when defensive backs do like the incomplete gesture after a receiver either drops the ball or goes sailing 15 yards over his head. It's like, you didn't do anything yeah. to cause that incompletion. Why are you celebrating? Yeah, that bothers me too. There's uh, there's way too much celebrating going on uh, when you had nothing to do with the play, especially defensive backs. I don't know what it is about defensive backs, but they they love to celebrate when they have nothing to do with it. Yeah, it's uh, it's about as infuriating as Cody Fajardo getting another team MOP award that he. I mean, in, in 2019, he was he was definitely the MOP of the Riders, but this year, it's just I don't know. Is he is he? I don't know. I don't. You know what? I don't want to. I don't want to make more enemies than I already have. Um, you want to talk about the halftime show? We finally have a halftime show for Grey Cup. Oh, yeah. And Keels. Is, is this one that's I, – I put out there that I said this was one where we finally won't have anyone complain, and then I saw a bunch of people complaining. How is this in any way – like, what about this does not – like, I'm – I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the Arkells. Um, I'm aware of them. Ticats are humming. Obviously, they still play at the stadium. They're, they are a, a band from Hamilton, so it's like it's, it's nice to get that in there. They're Canadian, obviously, being from Hamilton. It, 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 it's, young people are into them. It's rock music, so it's not that hippity-hop that those old people don't like. And yet I still saw comments like, oh, that's, they're a nice little local band, but they don't speak to a national audience or an international audience. And it's like, are you living under a rock? Like... They perform in stadium, like they do stadium shows. They they sold I, again. I know it's Hamilton, but they sold out Tim Hortons Field. They're going to sell it out again when they play next summer. They played at the NHL awards ceremony for crying out loud. Like they're not some band that they pulled out of some dive bar on Barton Street to play the halftime show. Like these are this is a well known band. They speak to young people. They're Canadian. It's rock music. They're going to probably have a very energetic show. What's there to complain about about this, and yet people are still complaining? But this seemed like a home run to me. Yeah, it seemed like a home run to me, too. I mean, it's just a logical pick, right? Yeah, I mean, the Arkells are big in Hamilton. They're big countrywide. They're big in the state. They've sold a lot of records. I think a gold record and a platinum record. I can't remember what they said. But, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan either. But when they started, and I didn't know any other, other songs except for Ticats or Hammond. But once they started playing some background stuff, I was like, oh, that's them. I've heard that song before. I've heard that song mm-hmm. before. So they're they're a really popular band. And I don't know, they're not just a local, they're not playing at the local bar, going bar to bar, you know what I mean? They're 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 a big deal. And they're a perfect choice for this. And it it just the thing that bothers me the most is just the bitching every year. Like, who gives a crap? It's the halftime show. Like, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch. Like, come back in the third quarter. And then we can have an in-game interview, and you can watch that. You know, it'll be great. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up the in-game interview, and the lead singer from the Arkells was actually – they did a halftime interview with him, which I was like, oh, great. This is when you're supposed to do this. And then they did an in-game interview. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And it was actually one of the better ones that they've ever done. He, he tried to get it back – when the play was happening, he tried to get them talking about what was happening on the field – he left the, the booth saying he was a jinx because the Argos were putting together a good... I think it was when Mazzoli threw the, his first pick and then the Argos drove down to score a touchdown. He's like, I'm a jinx. I got to get out of here. 
And then he signed off by saying Argos suck. Like, what what more could you ask for out of a out of a booth? It was by far, and I know the bar is very low on this. By far the best in-game interview that I've ever seen. And it's a Hamilton act playing the Hamilton Grey Cup, who are a well-known band. Like, mm. and I'm with you with the, with the bitching about the halftime shows. Like, it's it's a concert. It's not meant for everybody. If it's not for you, that's fine. When we went to the Grey Cup in Edmonton, uh, who was the halftime? Do you remember? Oh, no, I don't. Who yeah, was it? I can't remember who it was either. I know uh, the Arkells played like before, or not the Arkells, the, uh, that theme oh, song. Oh, yeah, yeah, have. yeah, this third and one from the gun, people. Yeah. Yeah, the Reclaws. Yeah, the Reclaws, yeah. yeah I don't, oh, I, oh, I, I oh, it was the Moana girl. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Alessia Carr. Alessia yeah, Carr. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I wasn't yep. overly familiar with her. And then same sort of thing, like people said like, oh, she sings this. I was like, oh, okay, I know that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't interested in that. What did we do? No. We went somewhere else for halftime and hung out. Yeah. And even if we didn't have that to do, I would have sat there. I would have listened to it. I would have probably chatted with you the entire time. And that would have been it. Like mm-hmm. I went to the great cup and Bieber was a halftime show. Was I overly thrilled that Justin Bieber was playing halftime? No, but I didn't sit there and go, how dare, like, who cares? It's a halftime yeah. show. And I think these guys, I've seen footage of their live shows. They're very energetic. I think they're going to get the crowd on their feet. It's going to be, a lot of people from Hamilton, and hopefully it's going to engage some people. But if it doesn't engage, if it's not for you, that is fine. Like, I'm over the moon about the Super Bowl halftime show, and I know that that's not for everybody. I'm semi-excited for this, but I'm most excited for the football game. And it's the same conversation we have every year where we're just like, if you don't like it, that's fine. But to call them, like, a little band or, like, not famous enough to be, like, should we get Keith Urban again? And, and relive that fiasco from two years ago? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Everyone always says the halftime act should be Canadian. They get a Canadian band. They get a local band. And people are still complaining. And it's Mike, not country. It's, it's not, not country. country. Yeah. Mike, so. I'm just trying to think that people like to complain. <laughs> you think so. I know, breaking, breaking yeah, news, I'm right? I get that feeling too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Breaking news. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, I think this is a good call. I, I guess you think it's a good call, so... Uh, Good for them. It'll be it'll be fun to watch when uh, when they're here on the twelfth. All right, one last thing to talk about, and then we can go. Uh, we got a game on Friday or Saturday. I mean, uh, yeah, even even I'm forgetting when things are happening. I mean, I called I called Winnipeg Edmonton earlier. It's it, it's been a bad week for all of us. I'm is what mm-hmm. I'm going to say. Last game of the regular season. Can't believe we're already here. Ticats are hosting the Riders on Saturday afternoon. Just came out today that Saskatchewan's going to sit a bunch of players. I saw Cody Fajardo, Duke Williams. I think I saw Micah Johnson and Dan Clark aren't going to play. Ticats are still, obviously they're in the playoffs, but this is a big game because if they win, they clinch home field in the East Semi, which means the game is here, which would be good. But they can also clinch if on Friday night, the Ottawa Red Blacks beat the Montreal Alouettes. So we could know what we have to do, if there's anything we have to do, before we even get to this game. That's unlikely because Ottawa is awful. But I will add this. I, I will give some bulletin board, some positive bulletin board material to the people in Ottawa. If the Red Blacks beat the Owls, I will start off next week's episode, which, by the way, Mike, is our 200th episode of Podsky Wee Wee. Pretty crazy that wow. we got to the 200 milestone. I will start off our 200th episode by listing a bunch of things positive that I like about the city of Ottawa, 
and the Ottawa Red Blacks. How's that for bulletin board material? I will be nice to the Ottawa Red Blacks if they beat the Alouettes on Friday. I can see the, the you know, being nice to the city of Ottawa. I'll but, say some good uh, things about the team. I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around you being nice to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'll, say, gotta, I'll say some good things about the team. I really will. Okay. I'll yeah, do that's it. fair. But anyway, we got this game. Let's work on the assumption that the Owls win. I think that's not only fair, but I think safe. Let, let's. Do you think that with all the guys at the Riders sitting, the Ticats have to win this game, right? Like, they're going to be playing their starters. They have to mm-hmm. win this game. There's no excuse. Yeah, they have to. And if it's, you know, if it's Mazzoli behind center... Um, and he puts out another poor f- performance. It's gonna be, uh, you know, it's gonna be tough for them to start him in the playoffs. Um, if it's Mazzoli starting this game, he has to bounce back, right? It's a, it's a, not a must win, but it's a damn close to to must win. So, uh, and it's not on him. I know that, but he needs to play better than he did in the game against Toronto too. For me personally, to get my confidence back up. And uh, for his team, for himself, uh, for the organization, uh, this is a this is a big game for Jeremiah Mazzoli if he gets a start. Yeah, we need to see the Mazzoli we saw in October, not the one we saw last week. The one we saw last yeah. week was that was first year throwing the ball up, not knowing what he's doing. Mazzoli, he's he's better than that, and I hope he will be. I hope we get Don Jackson back. I think if we get Jackson back, it completely changes the comp uh, the uh, composition of this offense. You think he's? Any, have you I heard? don't know if he's gonna. I don't even know what his status is. Neither but, do I. Um, if he did come back, I mean that would be a big boost as well. Yeah, I, I'm not as. Like, Banks is starting to heat up. Tim White's right. doing good things. We've seen some good stuff out of Dunbar. Obviously, it changes the offense. I'm not going to say that having Braylon Addison back completely changes the offense as well. But it'll just be it, John Jackson. I think does so many things. He the, the two games he played. The, we, we, what we saw to this offense, and again, I know it was against Edmonton and BC. That's fine. But at the same time, he just adds an element of mystery. I, I can't really think of a better word to describe it, where you don't know what they're going to do, and that makes it harder for the defense to pin their ears it back and lock the quarterback. Yeah, it take, yeah, exactly. It takes a lot of pressure off of uh, Mazzoli. And Mazzoli because... had his best game when Jackson had, had one of his best. You know what I yeah. mean? Like Mazzoli's best exactly. game this season was the game against Edmonton. I think that's. Yep. I don't think anyone would say any differently. I think. Even the people that hate Jeremiah Mazzoli would say he was excellent in that game. And that was the first start with Jackson. And it, you're right. It just takes so much pressure off the quarterback. It just opens up the offense to doing so many different things. It it would be – I think they can win the game without him. I think there's no doubt they win the game if he's playing. Yeah, I would have to agree with that because he just adds so much to this offense. It's just so much more dynamic. Um, the defense has to guess – uh, he's not going to just be chucking it up uh, like he did against the Argonauts in the first half. So um, that, I would love to see Addison back as well. But you're right. The uh, the more important player to get back is the running back, Don Jackson, because, you know, the running backs we have behind him just don't do the job as well. And and even if they, you know, were on par with him, they the coaching staff just doesn't seem to have any confidence in them. Like they don't run the ball if Don Jackson is in the game. So um, he's a huge piece for this offense going forward. Yeah. And I think the defense is going to feed with, we, I mean, we're not, we're not playing the MOP of the riders, Cody Fajardo right. in this one. It's it's Isaac Harker, or Paxton Lynch. And I think the defense could, could absolutely get a couple of interceptions for some bad, th- mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if we're playing the riders B squad, 
there's no reason why the Ticats shouldn't win this one. If we have to win this game, there's no reason why the defense couldn't get a few, could get a bunch of stops, commit, create some turnovers, put the offense in some good positions, get the running game going. Like this is a this is a get right game. And no offense to the Riders, but it's a get right game in get yourself situated for the playoff matchup with Montreal. Whether it's going to be in Hamilton or going to be in Montreal, it doesn't matter. That you need to use this game as a way to tune up for that game there. And if it gets out of hand, like the the Ticats are, are blowing them out because they are playing a bunch of backups, then yeah, you pull your starters, get some other guys some playing time. I understand that. But they need to come out strong. If, if the Riders sit as many guys as we think they're going to sit, the Ticats need to come out strong. The defense needs to not allow anything, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the offense has got to get clicking in that first quarter, in that first half. I don't want to see another you know, 10-4 halftime score in the Ticats' favor. I want to see a, a big margin going into, going into the halftime break and we're kind of sitting easy going into the second half. That's what I, I need to see out of this game to, to feel more confident, to maybe restore some of my confidence with this team going into the playoffs. Yeah, we need a fast start. We haven't had fast starts. Even nope. in the games where we, uh, you know, the Edmonton, BC, Ottawa games, uh, those first halves, like they weren't lighting the world on fire. You know, we need a better start than what we had um, because too many games this season, it's just been like we've had like 10 or less points. And, uh, you know, you want to get out to a, a good start and then put yourself in a good position. You don't have to, especially late in the season like this and going to the playoffs, you don't want to be coming, you know, playing catch up against really good teams because, you know, we don't have a good enough team to do that. So we need a fast start. Yeah, I think the only game this season I can think of that they had a really good opening half was against Edmonton. Mazzoli threw for like 300 yards right. in the first half. Yeah, But like even the Ottawa game, it was like 8-3 at halftime. The BC game, it was like 10-3 at halftime. Like it's not – you're right. They they need, And that's why I think if they get off to a hot start, especially playing against the backups in, in Saskatchewan, it'll – It'll get the team. It'll build their confidence more so than even it'll build ours. It'll it'll get them instilling in them. Okay, we can do this. And then even if it's against a bunch of, of first year guys or guys that that wouldn't normally play, it can still sort of have that effect that hopefully carries forward when the game is actually do or die, which will be the following week, whether it's here in Hamilton or or in Montreal on Sunday. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a very important game. Um, you know, you want to have uh, at least one home playoff game in front of that crowd who's going to be rocking on, uh, even if it's, uh, you know, we know it's going to be a semifinal, but it, unfortunately, but uh, I know that the, the crowd will show up and they'll be loud and proud for the Tiger Cats. And, you know, we're a little down on the team right now, but hopefully uh, they can turn it around in the next couple of weeks. Well, it's playoff time, man. Can you believe we're already here? I can't. That 14 game season just uh, flew by. It really flew by. It really did. Even with the, uh, you know, not so great entertainment on the field, it just it just flew by. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to think that we waited two years for this season to get here, and it got here, and it's already over. Just uh, yeah, man, it never lasts long. It never lasts long. Um, but that was Podski Weaver for this week. I'm Josh Smith. I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.